Welcome to the Sojourn College Podcast, where we engage in God's Word in a way that transforms us. I'm Ben Foster, and if you've been listening the past few weeks, you know that we've been talking about baptism and and what the Bible says about it. And so our our past few episodes have dealt with the the meaning of baptism and the mode of baptism. If you haven't listened to those yet, I, I would highly encourage you to go back, take a listen, because they really help set up what I get to talk about today, which is the subject of baptism. In other words, right, Kyle talked about the why of baptism, Michelle talked about the how of baptism, and I'm going to talk about the who of baptism. But first, I just want to take a moment and share my own baptism story. So I was actually baptized when I was a baby, uh, but I certainly don't remember it at all. Uh, But if you know my story, I stopped going to church around fifth grade, and and I didn't follow Jesus when I was younger. So fast forward to, to the summer between my freshman and sophomore year of high school, and, and I ended up becoming a Christian. I gave my life to Jesus and, and really began to be transformed by him for the first time. And, and at that time, I didn't know all the debates about baptism or, or the different arguments. Uh, to be honest, I'm not even sure if I, I knew the meaning of baptism. I, I just knew that, that when people started following Jesus in the Bible, they got baptized. And so I knew I wanted to, to do the same. Uh, then at some point right during my sophomore year of high school, uh, I don't remember when exactly. The church I was going to announce that they were going to have a baptism class and then baptize people the following Sunday. Uh, I think it was fear that stopped me from going to the class. Uh, I just know I didn't go. Yet, when I went to the church the following Sunday, I was like, man, you know what? I'm going to bring a change of clothes just in case something happens. Uh, and something did happen. In my years uh, at the church, that one particular Sunday was the only time the pastor gave an open invite to anyone in the room to be baptized if they felt so led. And so I thought, well, I have a change of clothes. There's an open invite. Okay, let's do it. And so I was baptized there that Sunday. Uh, And so it was a random morning. Uh, I didn't know all the different arguments. I just knew that I trusted Jesus and so I should get baptized and I was given the opportunity to do so. And my story leads really well then into today's podcast because we will be discussing kind of the different views and different arguments on who should be baptized. And there there are kind of two main positions on who should be baptized. The first position is called paedo-baptism, which is otherwise known as infant baptism. And the second position is called credo-baptism or believer's baptism. So let's begin by discussing paedo-baptism a bit more, and then we'll discuss credo-baptism, which is the position that our church holds as Baptists. Um, Just by the way of clarity, each view, right, has nuances to it uh, that time just simply won't allow me to look at, and so I'm going to handle every view generally uh, to the best of my ability. And so first, paedo-baptism. Like I said a minute ago, it refers to infant baptism. But it's kind of important to distinguish between two different types of infant baptism. The first position is the one held by the Catholic Church. See, in the Catholic Church, uh, their view of baptism is salvific. In other words, in order to be saved, someone must first be baptized. Their reasoning goes back many centuries. Uh, And if I can be simplistic, it, it goes a little bit like this, right? Everyone is covered in original sin, including babies as soon as they're born which means that if babies die, they will go to hell. However, baptism gives salvific grace to the baby. And thus, in this view, it provides salvation for the baby if they were to die before they grew older. And I particularly just wanted to mention this view because if you notice, it adds something to the gospel. It is not faith alone that saves the infant, but baptism. 
And not only do we believe that this is wrong because it adds something to the gospel of Jesus, right? It makes it Jesus plus baptism, but it also adds an important distinction from the other infant baptism view, which is held by many, many Protestant denominations. See, in contrast to the Catholic position, Protestants who believe in paedo-baptism believe that all babies born to believing adults should be baptized. Those who hold this position uh, generally do so because they argue that baptism in the New Testament is parallel to circumcision in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, uh, babies in Israel would be circumcised on the eighth day after they were born, and they did so to signify that they were part of the Israelite community. Paedo-baptists then argue that that since Israelite children were circumcised, infants of Christians should be baptized to present a sign that the child belongs to the community of God's people. And then secondly, uh, they appeal to accounts and acts, such as the salvation of Lydia, where it states that the person was baptized with, and then I, I quote here, their whole household. See, Pado baptists uh, would argue that the whole household may have included infants. We, however, don't agree with that view. And so I just want to present uh, a few counter arguments and then give kind of the evidence for believers' baptism, which is what our church believes. First of all, regarding kind of households being baptized, um, it's really inconclusive whether or not babies got baptized. The text simply does not say. And, and even the Church of England, who practices pedo baptism, they've admitted it that it's just not conclusive evidence for infants ever being baptized in the New Testament. In other words, it's just as possible that everyone who was baptized was also saved first. We see that in Acts 16, when Paul and Silas share the gospel. Uh, They don't do it with with just the jailer, but with everyone in his house before they are baptized. And so I would say that we don't really see any infants in the Bible being baptized because the places where people appeal to it, they're just too general to say. And then secondly, I just want to say something about the the circumcision uh, baptism comparison. Right? Like I said, in Israel, everyone was circumcised, and it was because it was an ethnic rite that showed you belong to this community. So parents, uh, unbelieving infants, unbelieving slaves would have all been circumcised to show that they belong to the Israelite community. However, in the New Testament, church the way to be part of God's community is not through being born into the community, right? But through saving faith in Jesus Christ. It's not open to both unbelievers and believers alike. And you can't be a Christian just because your parents were Christians. But you personally need saving faith to have your life changed by the gospel of Jesus to be invited into God's family. Which, if you remember from Kyle's podcast, that's what baptism signifies. And so, what do we believe as credo-baptists? Well, we believe that baptism is reserved for those who have given a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, baptism is only for professing believers. And, And we believe this for two main reasons. The first is just the New Testament example, and the second is, is that meaning of baptism. The New Testament, uh, and specifically Acts, is full of stories of people getting baptized. Man, which is awesome, right? That's what we want to see in our ministry. Yet what's important, right, in this conversation is that the people who were baptized were newly professing believers. For example, in Acts 8, it says, quote, but when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, 
they were baptized, both men and women. Did you catch that? It says, but when they believed, but when they believed, they were baptized. In other words, the precursor for their baptism was them becoming believing Christians. Uh, I'll give you another example in Acts 2. People had just finished preaching to this large crowd of people, and it says 3,000 people got saved. Can you imagine if that happened like at UofL's campus one day? That'd be like a seventh of UofL students just getting saved in one day. Well, the text says that those who received his words were baptized. And so while there's this huge crowd there, they don't all go get baptized. Instead, it's the 3,000 people who were saved and professed their faith in Jesus Christ. They were the ones that went and got baptized. And so we only see in Acts examples of people getting baptized after they profess saving faith in Jesus Christ. And the second reason that we believe in believer's baptism is because of the meaning of baptism. Kyle talked about how baptism is a symbol of our dying to sin and our raising with Christ to new life. One guy puts it this way, it is the outward symbol of beginning the Christian life. And so think about that. If baptism is symbolic of our new life with Christ, of our beginning the Christian life, then we believe that only those who have placed their faith in Jesus should be baptized. Right? If, if baptism reflects your regeneration, then it makes sense that you should be regenerate before you are baptized. And so I think we can see that if we understand what baptism is, and, and we can understand why, then we understand that it's only for believers. So we would say, right, that babies can't be believers because they do not have saving faith. And so baptism doesn't make sense. So to summarize, right, what we believe, we believe in credo-baptism, believer's baptism, because we think the New Testament gives us this example, and because the meaning of baptism shows that it is reserved for those who have saving faith. And so I just want to conclude by quickly addressing one more topic, uh, and that's being baptized as a child. There are a lot of people who get baptized when they are seven or eight, and they wonder if they should be baptized again because they don't know if they had saving faith back then. Well, I think if that's you, then I would just want to challenge you to ask some hard questions of yourself. Regeneration produces a change in our affections. It transforms our life. Like our lives look different after we start following Jesus with saving faith. And for many people, that does happen at a young age. But for lots of other people, they were baptized maybe because their parents said they should be, or all the kids were doing it. And I just want you to ask yourself, when did I understand the gospel? When did it transform my life? I mean, one thing's for sure, right? You shouldn't go through life questioning whether or not you should be baptized again. So if you were baptized when you were a child, just settle it in your own conscience now before the Lord if you think you really had saving faith as a child. And I just want to close this time now by encouraging you to get baptized. Maybe you were baptized as a baby and had never heard about these different arguments. Uh, Maybe you were baptized as a child and you're recognizing that you didn't really believe. Or maybe you just came to saving faith. Whatever the reason, if you haven't yet been baptized as a believer, now is the time. The Sojourn College staff would love to answer any further questions about baptism that you have, and we'd love to celebrate this step of faith with you. Next week, we will be back, and Jason will be discussing how baptism should be administered and who they should be administered by. It should be a great time.
So until next time, thanks for spending some time with me and listening to the Sojourn College podcast, where we engage God's word in a way that transforms us.